Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the hostess and producer of the show. And today we have a very special guest with us. She is an author, a mental health professional, a professional life coach, and also the author of Seeds in the Mud, which explores racism, race relations, the criminal justice system, and black history in the United States. She enjoys public speaking, She's an advocate and works in the social services field um, and also enjoys working with families. Um, today's guest is Nadia Davis. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nadia. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. So um, just to kick it off, do you mind telling us a little bit more about Seeds in the Mud and what inspired you to write the story? for sharing that and did you incorporate like some of your work experiences into the book um very few um not really like okay there's john john did this but um i guess most of it is from my work experiences actually um just not particular situations of Okay. And who was your target audience for this book, for Seeds in the Mud? Uh, I think when I started writing, it was, but I guess it's a year also, more likely um, anyone who may come into contact with the police or the criminal justice system or anyone who needs to know their rights, anyone with a driver's license who needs to know what you should and should not say to an officer, what you, you know, what's too much. Cause sometimes we give too much information. Right. What's too much, what, you know, what, what you are required to give. And so I think, like, anybody from, you know, a 13, 14-year-old kid who walks back and forth to school who may get stopped by a cop or, you know, anybody in driver's license or anybody. So I think, you know, 12 and up, 
the book. He, um, I got a ticket for anybody who's 12 and older. Okay. And when you were writing the book, did it exhaust you or did it energize you? Um, I think or both? Not exhausted, but it just saddened me. Right. It, it saddened me, you know, going back through some of my, like, papers from school. Like, I remember this happened. I remember Henry had a lapse, but I don't remember the details. And going back and reading those stories to incorporate some of that into the black history part of it. Um, so it, it kind of saddened me. Um, and it also saddened me that people just don't know their history. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that saddened me. But just um, the subject matter is something that I love doing. I enjoy the criminal justice. Um, I think that energized me. It, you know, every day I'm having different ideas pop into my head like, oh, I, I need to add that or I need to do this or changing my outline yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And you said something that resonated with me that it saddened you when you were writing these papers and doing this research because uh, one of the reasons you said is because so many people don't know their history. So I would say specifically for black people in America, how what would you recommend for uh, those of us who don't know our history? Because as we know, it's not taught uh, truthfully in our schools, if at all. So what would you recommend either to adults or parents of children who um, need to know what our history is? What, how, you know, what would you recommend to them? What resources or tools would you recommend so that we can know, you know, the truth about our, our history? Well, a lot of, a lot of uh, the universities now, and some of them are court, you know, uh, courses where you get credit for and some of them are just um, adult education classes, but they have those uh, African American history classes, or and it's taught by a historian. It's taught by you know someone traveled and talked to these people, and uh, so that's an awesome resource. Um, but you also can look for whoever is teaching that local class. Typically, you can Google them and find papers sure. that they've written. You can find right. You can you can find so much. Absolutely. Um, you just need to make sure that the information that you're reading is credible information. So so it's, it's about research, kind of like, and I always tell people this, you know, if you're a Christian, if you go to church, I'm sure you've heard grandma say, or somebody say, study to show thyself approved. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. You can't just take someone's word for something and assume that that's what, we can't do that now. Right. With the things going on in front of us. So <laughs> you have research, um, and make sure that the information that you're getting is correct. If you read something you think, oh, that's weird, research it because it may not be true. Right. Um, so read. Mm-hmm. Black people read. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I, I, I'm glad that you made that point. Um, it's a point that I'll often make when I'm encouraging other people to research is to make sure your sources are credible. I took a library class. I think it was library... Media, yeah, library research, something like that as an undergrad, and I remember learning that. So um, I'll just say .org, .gov, 
there's a third one, .edu. Those are going to be your most credible, um, you know, sources as far as online. Um, Wikipedia, anybody can change, so just be uh, cognizant about that and double-check what's there on Wikipedia. And then in addition, you know, of course, there's lots of videos and documentaries for those of us who are maybe visual learners. Um, like you said, Nadia, there's so many resources out there. Um, and that also applies to, um, you know, white people who want to learn more about our history. Because, um, you know, I come in contact with colleagues who, you know, well, I didn't know that about black history. So, again, um, do your do your research, read, there's books, there are all types of things that give you that information. So, uh, thank you for sharing that. So, was Seeds in the Mud, is that your first book? Yes, it is. Okay. So, um, and I'm so proud of you. Probably, maybe the worst book that I've ever written. Um, but I probably wouldn't have finished it when I did. Mm -hmm. uh, because I was always debating, like, should I stop, like, take a hiatus from work to do this, or, and so, of course, I never took a hiatus from work, but when the pandemic came, I got, I was given a hiatus from work, mm -hmm. and so that gave me the opportunity to go ahead and finish the book and okay. get it done, so it okay. worked out well. So, so was this traditionally published or self-published? It's self-published. Okay. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Can you tell us about that experience? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Um, so I thought writing the book and you know, um, putting everything in order chronologically or logically or however. Oh God. So then I, I'm done with the book. And I'm like, okay, let me start this editing process. So again, I go and research and read all this stuff. And I'm like, what in the hell have I signed myself up for? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad I did because I learned so much. And I appreciate books and mm -hmm. editors. <laughs> like, I appreciate mm -hmm. It gives me a whole, uh, because I, I've always loved to read, but it gives me a completely different appreciation for books and for editors and for for everybody. Yes. So, um, yeah, that experience is one that if, if you can't, you know, if you're not someone who can focus mm -hmm. or if you're not someone who can just sit down and like pound out work for hours at a time, definitely don't self-publish. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not, um, for me, I don't know. Uh, it was just very tedious. Okay. Um, and at the end, I felt really accomplished. Yes. However, it was getting to the end. Mm -hmm. so. Yes. And how did you find the team to work on your book? So how did you find your editor and your graphic designer and your publisher? Um, and what would you recommend to our listeners who, um, you know, are on this journey who need those professionals? Um, so again, I self-published, and so the um, cover, which is, um, my cover is gray and black, it's really, it's just a lotus flower, which uh, is a flower on it. Um, so um, I have some just personal friends that um, I work with, and um, that one is an editor that helped me. Did all that process to self-publish, and then she went back over it and you know did a few things. Um, but from what I know, 
you said um, the process taught you the importance of you know the professionals that you work with for your book and you did specifically mention the editing piece so what recommendations do you have for authors because as an editor myself uh, sometimes I you know encounter clients who are um, who are hesitant to work with an editor um, they don't want their voice changed in the book um, they don't know what to expect um, they don't want to receive harsh criticism or their not open to receive constructive feedback. So what would you recommend to, to those authors who um, might be hesitant to use an editor? Um, maybe have those reservations. Get the one that you can speak to and tell them, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, this is what I'm afraid of, this is what, this is the message I'm trying to portray, this is what, um, you know, this is what I meant here. You know, maybe we can restructure the sentence, but this is what I meant. So it needs to say this, not this, or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Just someone that you can communicate with. Because mm-hmm. if you can't communicate with them, then, you know, the story will be somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So just find someone that you're comfortable with that you can communicate with and communicate your views, your thoughts, or whatever with that person. And you said that your editor was a was a friend of yours, is that correct? Um, yes, someone I know. Okay. 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 So, um, just as a, a recommendation to our listeners who are writers or authors, um, if for some reason you, you choose not to work with a professional editor, um, like Nadia said, if you have someone, you know, in your network or circle who has a good handle on whatever language you're writing in, um, that could be a viable option as well. Um, whether, you know, you're, you don't have the funding to pay for a professional editor or you found, you know, someone you are comfortable with editing and they have, you know, proven that they're a sound and, and um, reliable editor, then that's an option too. So if you, you know, have a friend or a relative who's a, pro- a professor or an English teacher or, like I said, just has a really good handle on that language, that is another option for you as well. So while you were writing Seeds in the Mud, did you experience writer's block at all? No, I didn't. I think I had more information. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like narrowing down like what I need to put in this book and what can wait, you know, to the next book. And so um, I didn't have writer's block at all. Okay. I, um, and some of the groups, like I frequent on Facebook, mostly writers groups, or authors groups, a lot of people talk about um, writer's block um, but I've had it in other, like at work when I'm trying to write, um, do something or, um, make a 
like an informational or training, you know, for work or, um, and I think I always tell people, even in the, on Facebook, I write something. So go away from the book you're writing, write about your favorite thing, mm-hmm. write about kids, write about the car, the day you had yesterday, like write about something or read about something. And typically, in that, if you're just writing, randomly writing, you'll get a thought in your head and it will take you back to your thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're reading something, um, you'll typically come across a sentence or a word that'll give you an idea and take you back to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I know that Seeds in the Mud is a nonfiction book. Um, do you write any other genres? any books that you're currently writing or, or projects that the listeners could look forward to? So I'm actually working on um, because I work in, I've been in the criminal justice and mental health system for so long, so I'm actually working on a curriculum oh, okay. to kind of accompany the book mm-hmm. to you know, break down a lot of the information that I put because mm-hmm. I realized that just because the information is there, it's not you know some people still may not understand. So a curriculum to break down, this is how this happened, this is what you do, you know, if you're arrested, this is, you know, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. So just a, a little workbook to go along with. So say for, you know, if someone wants to buy the book for their teenage son or their teenage daughter, there's something there, you know, where they can create a dialogue and talk about these things to make sure and, and do a check to make sure that the child actually understands what they're reading. Mm-hmm. Or, if, you know, if an adult who mm-hmm. has gone through the criminal justice system and wants to, you know, say, okay, if this happens to me again, I need to know this information. So mm-hmm. just something to break down what, I'm, what I've given. Awesome. I'm glad that you're creating a workbook for that. That's an awesome idea, and I'm sure it'll be really helpful for, you know, your readers and, and your audience. So I know you talked a little bit about your experience with publishing um, your first book. So what do you consider your writing kryptonite or things that make writing difficult for you? different, you know, have a completely different take 
recommend to our listeners who might be facing the same um, challenge? Like, what would you recommend that they do to overcome that? Um, I honestly try to look at situations from other perspectives. You know, I, and I think people often handle situations based upon their own perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we get our perspective? Get our perspective from the way we were raised or experiences that we've been through. Most people haven't been through the same experience that I've been through or you've been through, you know, so you have to look at it from another person's perspective. Um, This book, I've never been arrested. I've never had to stand in front of a judge where it's dealing with my life, you know, always, you know, in trial, but never for me. So, taking yourself out of that situation and looking at it from another person's perspective or another perspective, um, sometimes it turns things around. And everything is negative. Like, there's a upside to every situation. I can, I can always find an upside to every situation. Um, I just have to remind myself, like, okay, now think about it. What's, what's, what, what really can come out of this? And that helps a lot. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, and I know you said that, you know, you've never been to jail or been in a courtroom. So did you interview people who have had those experiences to help with writing your book? So I've been, I've never been arrested, mm-hmm. put it that way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been inside prisons and jails, okay. in court, on trial, um, just not for myself. Okay. Um, so I often have to um, testify for my client, um, testify um, progress, mm-hmm. um, their medication um, compliant, if they're coming to sessions, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they're keeping up with treatment, if they're coming to sessions, if they're going to the doctor, um, you know, what their living situation is, have they relapsed, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um so, um, very familiar with the life, it's just not me. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks for clarifying that. So, as an author and, you know, someone who has been writing, who are some of your inspirations when it comes to um, writing? Like, any authors or um, other writers who you admire? Um, so, right now, um, I'm a Brian Stevenson groupie. Okay. Uh, I'm so um, equal justice project and everything that they're doing um, and just the ridiculousness going on in Alabama um, mm-hmm. so I think um, Brian Stevenson is awesome so I've read some papers and some briefs and some so that's my thing right now um it actually energizes me. Uh, my, I have a daughter. My 15-year-old writes poetry. And she's been um, 
published several times mm-hmm. several Tell us a little bit more about the type of uh, work that uh, Brian Stevenson publishes. Um, so Brian, he's a lawyer. Okay. Uh, he's in Alabama, and so he um is the so he's the CEO owner. They have what's called the Equal Justice Project. Mm-hmm. So in Alabama, they actually don't have a um what is it called um. You go to court and can't afford a lawyer you want to give them to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't have that option. Oh. Right. So, um, and it's Alabama and two other states, maybe Utah and we have three states in the United States that don't have court appointed attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in uh, Alabama, they're still kind of in the archaic system. And um, a lot of people are on death row been there for years. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But they can't get a retrial or they can't get um, anyone to help them. You know, they don't can't afford a lawyer. Family can't, can't afford a lawyer. And so they're just sitting in jail or they've been there. And so with the Equal Justice Project, um, people write in to him or he hear they hear about and it's him he's hired you know all of these other lawyers and like it's a corporation um and so they go in and they hear some of these cases um try to get the they read about the cases meet with the people meet with the families and then if they take the case they work to help these people get released from jail help to get them a retrial help to you know that sort of thing um and it's, it's really interesting, the work that is, um, it's exp- inspiring, but also very interesting, you know, the things that some of these people are in jail for, um, in Louisiana, I'm originally from, I live in Texas, there's a guy there, um, on death row for, he's, he's been in jail for, he's not on death row, he had a life sentence, and he's been there maybe 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an elderly gentleman now. Well, but he's in jail for theft. Mm-hmm. An attempted theft, he was trying to steal a garden tool, but he didn't actually take the tool. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe about six months ago was up where they went before the Louisiana the Supreme Court to try to get him a retrial, uh, to, to try to get, so he could go back and have another trial, it's like this is a possessive time. Mm-hmm. And they denied him. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, right. So, um, just being in the legal, uh, the legal criminal justice system and seeing the things that go on, like, you know, I have a front row seat, I'm in the court, mm-hmm. courtroom. It's like, we, we can't afford not to know our rights. We 
can't afford right. not to know mm-hmm. what's going on. Can't afford not to be informed. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that, you know, you published your work and that you're sharing this important information um with the public. And I'm sure that um your audience and readers will definitely appreciate that information. And like you said before, um it is very disheartening. Uh very sad to know that people lives are um, you know, being they're being stripped of their lives and sitting, you know, in a cell and institutionalized for something that happened so long ago, something that is so trivial, and in some cases, something that didn't even happen. So, um, thank you so much for, you know, telling us more about, um, you know, the project and, and, you know, helping people get through this and overcome, you know, a lot of the, you know, criminal justice issues that we do have in the system. So, um, pivoting back to your experience with publishing, what would you consider your favorite and least favorite part of that um, journey? Um, our listeners are either new or current, you know, authors, so um, I'm sure that they will be interested in knowing, you know, what that was like for you and what your favorite and least favorite parts were. book available uh, for purchase? Um, it's available on Amazon. Okay. Okay. Or contact me and I have a ton of them, but also on Amazon. Okay. Um, I know a lot of, you know, authors are, you know, looking for platforms to sell their books. So what was your experience with publishing on Amazon? Um, my experience was great mm-hmm. because... <laughs> Before I decided to go that route, I read and I read and I read and I read. So I read everything that was on Amazon, and then I read reviews about people publishing on Amazon, okay. and then you know chatted with some people via Facebook that um, have published on Amazon. So I didn't go into it lightly. Um, I, I made an informed decision for me. Okay, awesome. So, so I, I don't know. Go ahead. They just need to whatever route they decide to go, right. make an informed decision mm-hmm. so you know what you're getting yourself into. 
Yes. So you did the publishing yourself, or did you work with like a hybrid publisher? No, I did. I did it myself. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, and for our listeners who might not know what a hybrid publisher is, um, the person specifically handles the, the publishing side. So uh, the formatting, the ISBN, the copyright, they will take care of. However, the author does still maintain, you know, creative control and control of, um, you know, the work that is being published. So, for example, I work with a hybrid publisher. So she takes care of those elements, but I maintain all the control. I get all the book sales. I can, you know, I'm still able to do my, my own editing, even though they do some, you know, editing as a part of the package. Um, I can find my own graphic designer, etc. So it's a nice balance between self-publish and um, traditional publish. So for those of you who might not know what that is, um, that's another option for you. So take a look at that and, you know, find more information if that's something you might be interested in. Um, so how important to you was the cover of your book? Um, it was very important um, because of the message that I wanted to portray, um, which is ultimately, you know, just because you're in a situation or just because something bad has happened or just because you're arrested, like, we can overcome that. Like, you can overcome it, we can overcome it. Like, you know, it's not, it may not be the easiest thing to do, but it can be done. Like, I've seen it done. I see it every day. Um, but you have to do the work. Um, and, and that's the thing that a lot of people, they're, they're, that's where the disconnect is. Um, we spend a lot of time being sad or being negative or um, blaming someone else or whatever the case may be um, instead of just, you know, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and doing the work to change the situation. Um, and so a lot of times the situation can be changed, but you have to make a conscious decision that this is what I want to do or this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so my book cover is, it's gray and black, mm -hmm. uh, yellow and white flower. The flower is, center of the flower is yellow. Um, and I the yellow to symbolize like the, the sun you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel there is you know things can get better but we have to do the work to get there yes. um and so that was the significance of my cover for me um but i think the cover is like your face or mm -hmm. it's like that first impression you know it, it draws people in mm -hmm. so so take it from Nadia, um, your cover is definitely important. Thank you for giving us a, an overview of what your cover has on it. So in wrapping up, if you could recommend one thing to you know inspire aspiring authors, what would that be to encourage them on their journey? Some people say, I need to write so many words a day. But whatever it is, stick to it. 
because you know if there's something there that doesn't sound right or shouldn't be there or whatever the case may be that'll come out in the editing process Mm -hmm. but if you want to publish a book or if you want to um write a book you have to be intentional i think unless you're just an extremely um i don't know focused or extremely disciplined person Mm -hmm. you have to be intentional you have to you know say okay this is my outline this is what i want to include i'm going to write this much you know one chapter a day i'm going to do this otherwise it'll never get done right. you know yeah. you have to be really intentional with what with what you're doing if it's what you really want to do yes. thank you so much for um, you know, dropping those gems and giving us that advice. So I definitely appreciate that. So can you just remind our uh, listeners about the title of your book, where they can purchase it, and also how they can keep in touch with you if they have questions or, you know, want to connect with you? So the book can be contacted at Amazon or um, I am on Facebook as Nadia Davis Author. Um, also on Instagram, um, my Instagram name is post like P O S T underscore two, the letter B underscore healed. So it's post to be healed. I'm a mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it's post to be healed, post underscore to be underscore healed. And the book seeks in the mud can be purchased from me and I'll ship it to you or directly through Amazon. Okay. And do you also have a website? I do not. Okay. So they can contact you. Okay. So you all you all um have her contact info, Facebook, Instagram. Um you can reach out to her. Book is also on Amazon. Uh thank you so much, Nadia, for being our guest today. I really enjoyed talking to you, learning more about your book and your journey and thank you for sharing, you know, experience your experiences with the audience and myself and thank you to all of the listeners who have tuned in um editor knows best airs every monday 7 p.m eastern anchor.fm slash editor knows best it's also a part of spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast google podcast so there's different ways that you can find the show um again my name is katyra poland i am the creator and producer thank you all for tuning in and be safe and be well